And so we reach the end of Jonah, this tiny little book with just four chapters. But I don't know about you here at St. Peter's, I've really enjoyed the journey of Jonah and exploring it week by week, this one little text that actually reveals so much to us about God. Not long ago, uh, well, perhaps a little while ago, I read a book called Dominion, which is by a writer called C.J. Sansom. I'm sure many of you have read his books. And uh, the book Dominion is a book which imagines that uh, history were just ever so slightly different. It imagines that the outcome of the Second World War were different. So it imagines a 1950s Britain, which is effectively a Nazi Germany satellite. A turning point of history, which is different, which has huge repercussions for this country, for the world, and for many people. Technically, those sorts of books are known as counterfactual history. There's a phrase for you. To imagine that history is changed on one, one aspect, one fact. So if you might imagine, say, that Martin Luther King had not been assassinated, how history would have looked in the aftermath. And you might reflect on your own life. If you can just imagine how your life might have turned out if you hadn't ended up in Canterbury, if you hadn't taken a certain job route, if you hadn't made other decisions earlier on, personal decisions about how life would be and what it might look like. Turning points, changes, the decisions that we make along the way can make a huge difference later on. If you like, we might sometimes think, well, what if, what if things had gone that way instead of this way? In many ways, that's what the story of Jonah is. It is a what if story. It's imagining that the outcome for the city of Nineveh was different from what it actually was. I'm sure you might know this already, but I shall tell you anyway. The city of Nineveh was destroyed in the year 612 BC. It's been dated almost exactly to that point because they think that the city of Nineveh was destroyed almost overnight by the enemies of that particular empire. The book of Jonah was written certainly a century, perhaps more, after that. So the book of Jonah was written after the city of Nineveh was destroyed. And so it imagines a different future for Nineveh if the city had repented. So the story is a parable, a what-if, an imagining. And in that imagining reveals enormous truth about what God is like and indeed about what we are like. So, thinking then about this last chapter. 
Nineveh was a huge, vastly populated city. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was a place of enormous brutality, cruelty, particularly to any Judeans that happened to stumble there. It was a place which was known for its horrors. Many today have likened it to Nazi Berlin. But we might also imagine that it's part of one of those dystopian kind of dramas that we see on the TV. You might imagine, if, if you've been watching The Handmaid's Tale, the sheer brutality of that particular society gives you a glimpse of what it was like in Nineveh. So you can imagine that quite a lot of people were quite happy when Nineveh was destroyed or in its destruction, in the process leading up to it, were quite pleased that that might happen. But this story imagines a different outcome for Nineveh. So, we meet Jonah sitting uh, to the east of the city in this final chapter. He's put himself up on a hill. He's preached to the city, and they have repented. Uh, there is, of course, a slightly absurd element in Jonah, uh, ending up in a whale, slightly absurd, um, walking a long distance across the city, and everybody repenting overnight. Feels a little absurd from where I'm standing. So, there's a certain drama and ridiculousness and we're even told that the animals repented and that they all bowed down. Jonah has done his job. The city are repenting. He sits on a hill. But he's very angry. He's really angry. Everything in that final chapter, the imagery that's used, is all about heat and anger. The sun beats down on Jonah. He's so cross. He's so cross that he's got steam coming out of his ears. It's a righteous indignation. I am really cross because I know what's going to happen. I know, God, that you're going to forgive them. And I'm angry because it's not fair. And it makes me look a fool having preached that they're going to be destroyed and then you forgive them. The anger beats out of, comes out of Jonah and the sun beats down on his head and he's in such a terrible state that he says to God, it would be better if I were dead. Not just once, I think about six times altogether. It would be better if I were dead. Because I knew all along that you were a God of mercy a God of steadfast love, a God who forgives, a God who relents. But it's not fair. There he sits, on the hill, in his anger. To the original hearers of the story, this part of the story might have felt a little uncomfortable. Jonah was originally written, we think, for those who were quite adamant that the God of Israel was for Israel, that the God of Israel had limitations, false limitations 
of their own. That this was their God. And those who did not worship God in the way that they did, those who did not see things the way that they saw them, were heading for destruction, were ready to be destroyed, just in the way, perhaps, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Nineveh was such a place. This story is all about expanding horizons, about thinking again about who God is about thinking again about God's relationship with his people through the ages and his people today. How does this story speak to us of those false limitations of our own that we have just sung about? So let's think again about Jonah in his hatred, in his heat. Because the story is then meant to be just a little bit funny. Because God appoints this plant, this unpredictable plant, it seems, that grows and shelters Jonah from the sun. And Jonah is happy, we're told. He sits back in the shade, waiting for Nineveh to be destroyed, and then he realizes it isn't going to happen. And God appoints a worm. It's all right if you smile at this point. And the worm appears from the ground and eats up the plant overnight. And Jonah is not happy. He is angry again. And God says to Jonah, God says to his people, did you have anything to do with that plant? Did you have anything to do with the growing of that plant or the nurturing of that plant? Why does it make you angry that it is gone? I'm so angry that I could die, says Jonah, all a bit out of proportion, you might say. But God says to Jonah, why are you angry about a plant? Am I not entitled to be more concerned about a city with all these people and all these animals that have effectively repented, turned to me? And that's where it's left. That's the chapter. Am I not entitled to be more caring about these people. It's quite a challenging little book because it addresses all of us with that question. It addresses all of us with the question of wondering who the Ninevites might be in our world. The worst of the worst those that we couldn't possibly entertain spending time with, those who perhaps live in another country, in another place, those whose hearts 
are hardened to violence, to conflict, to evil. Those might be like the Ninevites. And this is why the book, I think, is so challenging. Because it reminds us that God's ideas of fairness and of kindness and of mercy go way beyond ours. Way beyond ours. Just like the story of the prodigal son and the moment with the elder brother. You see, Jonah has gone to Nineveh reluctantly, despite having been saved by the great fish and spewed out onto the shore. He's gone to Nineveh with the idea that he will send them to their death, to their destruction. He is full of judgment, despite having received grace himself. He is full of judgment. There doesn't seem to be a great deal of compassion about Jonah. The story is challenging because it reminds us all that whatever judgments we make, and of course we do, whatever judgments we make, we are challenged also to compassion, to the possibility of changing our minds. And so we are left with the question. If we're concerned about petty things, small things that irritate us, the equivalent of the plant that grows and dies overnight, can we too not see that God cares so much more about things that are bigger and beyond our horizons and possibilities? We're reminded that in this little book, that all people are still God's children. That God is always merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. For all people, whoever they are, wherever they've come from, whatever they have done. As the father explains to the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son, we have to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life, was lost and has been found. Words that Jonah could have done with hearing too. So we're left with that question. Am I not right to care more for all these people than effectively you for this little plant that's died overnight? the question. And because the book leaves us hanging, I'm going to leave us hanging too. <laughs>